Hey guys, welcome to the newest episode of the SaaS Sessions podcast. This is me Sunil. I'm going to be your host for this episode. Today I have Nikhil Kapoor with me on the show. Uh Nikhil is currently a partner at Strive VC, a 110 million dollar fund and uh, he has spent a decade working on tech and product. He has previously worked at the MS office team as well and he has been a founder before he could join Strive VC. At Strive, he is currently investing in local SME enablers and global SaaS companies that are being built out of Asia by exceptional founders with a product-led mindset. So, hey Nikhil, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks a lot, Sunil, and great to be pleasure to be here. Yeah. Awesome. So, I'm very excited, Nikhil, to talk to you about the current state of SaaS in India. So, before we, you know, talk on that, can you tell us more about yourself and how was your experience in working at the MS office team, and then you, uh, then you also started a company, and then you also were part of a company that were that was acquired by Google, and then you, you know, uh, bump into yep. Strive yep. VC, being a Strive VC, right? So, can you just walk us through? Sure, sure. Yeah, so, you know, as, as most folks in India, I graduated as an engineer uh, and graduated out of Delhi College of Engineering. Throughout sort of my early childhood as well, I knew that computers was something that excited me, like coding, etc. Et like I was very deeply involved in it was mm-hmm. even in my childhood days i was doing a lot of coding and you know naturally right after after i uh, you know schooling i decided to go for computer engineering and mm-hmm. was lucky to go into delhi college of engineering you know at that time it was one of the top 10 institutes for computers i don't know whether it still is or not but yeah. i think mm-hmm. they're doing okay and yeah and one thing led to another you know uh, of course throughout the engineering i was very involved in you know a lot of product development and tech and right after out of college i ended up going to microsoft they recruited me from from campus itself and i guess i was very lucky at that time because this was around 2009 10 time frame and mobile was you know just coming up so if you would remember like um, 2008 was i think when the first iphone was launched and mm-hmm. you know android had a few earlier years of head start and overall the ecosystem was just starting to come up in mobile and i was recruited by microsoft office team and they were just starting to build up office for mobile so this was the first time that they were building office for a smartphone and it was a very brand new project very new project actually within the within the company and this was you know the steve bomber era yeah uh, mm-hmm. at that time actually the the steve bomber and you know everyone were more focused more on windows right and yeah. was microsoft was all about the windows ecosystem but mm-hmm. i think we were lucky then to start this sort of office for mobile team in fact microsoft actually ended up missing quite a lot of the mobile wave eventually but you know office team was always very upfront that we want to do something on mobile right and yeah. so i spent sort of the next almost 3 years in building office for mobile from scratch we were a very small dev team 50 people total who were for across all smartphones ecosystems so eventually we were like five people developing excel 
and I was specifically in the Excel team. So, you know, it's funny these days, like I'm investing in companies that are trying to disrupt Excel. Yeah. <laughs> and at that time, I was sort of building Excel myself. And for so did that for, for mobile, we launched on over 10 million smartphones at that time. And then at that point, I decided to switch to becoming a founder because this I come from a family of business people and it was always sort of in my, I would say, DNA to, to go and start a company. And that was something that I always wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, this company actually, as many young people, I made the mistake of, you know, people say you should follow your passion. I'm, I'm pretty sure you should, but you know, maybe not follow it very literally, right? <laughs> Which is what I did. I started this company in the media industry, specifically in music. And we started sort of aggregating artists in India, mm-hmm. right? And sort of artists who want to monetize their, monetize their, their art, right? And right. we were aggregating them and providing a platform for them to sort of get connected to anyone who, would buy this art, right? And the first thing that we started off from was music, right? And yeah. it did well. And we actually were a bootstrap profitable company. We were scaling fairly uh, decently for a bootstrap company. This was, you know, 2012 timeframe in India. So the startup ecosystem was obviously very, very early at that time. Not many VCs around. And we were part of Microsoft Ventures and a few other sort of programs. And, you know, VCs would, some VCs would were there. So they would come and be very intrigued by this bootstrap profitable a uh, couple of founders, geeks who are building this tech. And at that time, also B2B and was not something that was top of the mind for people. Mostly everyone was doing consumer internet companies like Flipkart, etc. as investments. So, you know, we always built it bootstrap profitable, scaled it pretty decently. But I think somewhere around like when I became 25, I realized that this is not something I want to do for the rest of my life. And when you come to that realization, Sunil, like that's the time when as a founder, you should always step away from the business. And that's what I did. So I transitioned that business to sort of the team and came to Singapore. And this was 2014. And I decided to do a business school degree just so that, you know, I can learn the theory of business because I'd learned business from sort of practicals by actually applying it on a daily basis, but never really had a formal education in business. Mm -hmm. Um, So decided to take that as a side thing to do while I started getting involved in the Singaporean startup ecosystem because I could see that Asia was sort of the next wave of startup growth and that's where I wanted to be in. Uh, But I also wanted to spend some time outside of India and learn from other markets as well. So came to Singapore, did that, got involved with another company called Pi, which was again a B2B SaaS company. They were like a competitor to Slack, but focusing on the traditional Sort of SMEs, so you know, serving more of schools and any traditional SME, giving a very WhatsApp-like interface, but for sort of group messaging and collaboration. That company was starting to scale very well, and uh, we were a team again of seven people starting to build and you know grow. Mm-hmm. And when we were raising a Series A, that's when Google made an acquisition offer for the company. Um, right. And mm-hmm. at that time, uh, because this company was going again, you know, getting acquired by a big corporate and I'd already done a corporate stint. Um, like I decided to switch to venture capital. So that's oh, my entry into venture capital in 2016. 
yeah mm-hmm. that's really interesting and and i i can see that you know you have been like like you have been investing in the great companies like hasura class plus and uh, sales whale which is doing crazy thing as i uh, can read their blogs and about some news about them but yeah that's that's a interesting journey right and you know talking about the saas ecosystem right so you mentioned that you invest in southeast asian market as well as in india so according to you what's the current state of saas in india if you like to sum it up in like you know a few uh, few words right so i think in a few words i would say like 2020 this is like the decade of saas for for asia right, right. Like this this decade is where we will see asia coming on the hot map on the map of of saas right and both right. as a as a, a product development sort of region right and right. so as well as from a market right so right. if you would notice right like most of the global saas companies uh, you know be it the age old like salesforce of the world as well as you know new age companies they mostly tend to focus on us and europe as their core right. primary markets right but i think i don't know whether you do this but i spend a fair bit of time you know going through analysts earnings you know transcripts and calls uh, of these cloud companies and you would see that a lot of them have are starting to mention their growth in asia right and of course right. initially some of them are starting to think about china and japan but i feel in the next you know 4 5 years we'll start seeing that happen even in markets like india and southeast asia so i think but that's a market thing but i think firstly it's more the product uh, that will come out of asia right and right. we are starting to see some great examples of you know these product led companies coming out of india coming out of southeast asia and going global so i think that's those are the two main uh trends that are going to happen in 2020 this decade of 2020 where we'll start seeing first the products uh, maturing and we are sort of already in a very strong wave of that happening and then the, the next step would be essentially indian saas companies building for india or southeast asian saas companies building for southeast asia so more of domestic market focus and i think the next step of that would be global companies focused on southeast asia and india or focus on asia broadly right because they'll see that you know that's where the growth is happening and why should we stay out of this right so yeah those i feel that those all those three things are going to happen in the next 10 years um, right. and that's where we are you know we're betting our dollars completely yeah and and talking about like you know global saas and indian saas right like companies who are in india and who sell globally versus companies who who are in india and who sell in india only right so have you seen any like sort of a difference between these companies and how they start how they grow what's their approach because i guess you have couple of investments in in you know the local indian saas market as well where you know companies are in india and who are selling to the indian uh, market and versus you also have investments where you know there are indian saas companies who are trying to capture the global uh, market as well so what right. the sort of a difference that you see in like you know the approach in building these two different companies right 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 yeah th- i think that's a great question and actually something that 
it's a nuance that a lot of people actually miss, right? Like that the SaaS that is that works for the global market, like it's probably not the same as the SaaS for India or SaaS for Southeast Asia. So yeah, it, I think there there are a lot of discussions we can go into this and let's okay. let's maybe dive in. Let's talk about global SaaS first, right? Like so I think what are we seeing coming out of India for global SaaS, right? Like we are seeing the first wave, you know, companies like Zoho and you can even say Freshworks, right? These are essentially companies that essentially are leveraging the cost arbitrage that exists right. in the markets, right? Like and mm-hmm. being able to price your solution at a slightly lower price point, but giving a very commoditized uh, product offering, right? So if it's totally. a CRM, yeah, like it's a, it's a commodity in SaaS these days, right? Like yeah. building an ERP, a CRM, and they went like pretty broad and they also realized like, look, if you've already gotten the customer once, like you can cross sell them other solutions, which you can also develop pretty quickly because of that cost arbitrage that you have in terms yeah. of the R&D, R&D effort as well, right? And so mm-hmm. if you look at these companies, right, like they are, Freshworks is 3,000 plus employees, I think, you know, Zoho is 10,000 employees. They've been running for, for more than a decade now. Right. Yeah. And each of them are north of 100 million ARR. Right. And I think that's the first wave. And that's been brilliant, I think, for the market to educate the market, to educate the investors also that these kind of stories are possible. Right. right. But I think mm-hmm. the next growth in global SaaS coming from India, et cetera, would be what I call like product first companies. Right. Like these are companies which are not cost arbitrage focused. And of course, like, you know, that cost arbitrage will always exist at least in the next in the short term right in the short to middle term the salaries you have to pay to an indian engineer will always be lower than what you have to pay to the us uh, right. folks right and as a result there will be that cost arbitrage but i think now is the time when when companies will start realizing that taking a very product first approach you can build even like category leading or product category defining products from mm-hmm. from india Right. right, And I think the, a brilliant, brilliant example of that is, you know, Postman, who just announced, yeah. like, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, massive, you know, news, $150 million round, you know, $2 billion valuation. And of course, that's not the only way that we should measure success, right? Yeah, success yeah. Okay. will be measured in multiple ways. But hey, it's a phenomenal company, right? Like, right. I was just trying to dig out, like, hey, what is the revenue of these, these guys? And it seems like I feel like it's not open, but I feel that they are north of 50 million ARR already, right? Completely. It's, it's a company that was started in 2014, you know, six-year-old company, 130 employees and sitting at 2 billion valuation with close to 100 million ARR maybe in the next yeah. uh, one year or two years. And that's a phenomenal, phenomenal story, right, to come out of India. And this is just a start, right? Like I think you guys like Whatfix and there's so many other product companies, product-led companies that are now beginning to realize that we don't really have to imitate the best. We just have to figure out what are the problems in the market and just solve them and go fundamentals first, right? And that's what I think we're going to see in the next few years. Specifically within this, we have a very favorite sector of ours, which we call dev tools or dev infra. And Postman Mm -hmm. actually belongs to that. And, you know, we have Hasura as, as our portfolio company, 
which is right. also doing fairly well in that side still early days for them but i think i'm hoping that they can be another one of those successes in the market because they're again leading it leading charge on the graphql front like from the forefront mm-hmm. they're sort of yeah. category leaders in a way already and you know globally renowned like multiple multiple millions of deployments actually already so it it's giving the same sort of signs as somebody like postman so we are very excited about the company and we have made like a couple of other investments which we haven't yet disclosed in the dev tool space and this space is very close to my heart because of my dev background um, <laughs> yeah yeah but i feel you know given so many computer engineers in india like for sure we can figure out what are the pains of devs and solve them and solve them on a global scale right so i think that's a sector that we are very excited about in global global saas but let's totally. okay so that that was the global saas story right and, and yeah. that's how it see that evolving but let's talk about india saas because i think like that's a nuance that not a lot of investors are actually even investing in i think global mm-hmm. saas is something you know you go talk to any vc down the road now like you know they say yes we invest in global saas right yeah um, yeah and they they the first question actually it's funny the first question that people i know vcs ask founders these days is how much of your revenue is coming from outside of india okay, <laughs> yeah that that would be it. yeah so like i think that that sector will do well because it has already captured the investor attention right but i think the new up and coming sector in in saas is you know just india saas right and i think not a lot of investors have really started focusing on this side but you know there's an immense opportunity that exists for us over there and look i've been an sme myself in india you know my company was an sme my both my mom and dad like they've run they've been running smes all their lives right i think i understand the psyche of the sme business owner enough to say that yes they might not pay you enough for you to build a very large business but there are ways that you can capture value in while serving these smes within india right and that's sort of the nuance that we started with around 2 to 3 years ago and started investing in this space and you know now we are starting to see fruits of that and you know fruits of that thesis come up and we have a very well defined thesis within the india saas and we can go into it in a bit but in mm-hmm. a si- yeah. in simple manners we try to see india saas more as a shopify rather than like a sales force okay right. um, mm-hmm. and let me clarify what that really means so if you if you look deeply into into salesforce and shopify of course they are very different businesses right but yeah. if you look at their revenue streams right like salesforce is purely you know software right and they sell saas it's simple saas business stream right like they sell saas it's a saas model you pay them yearly or monthly or whatever and you know that's it but if you look at shopify closely you will realize that even though they are a saas company actually more than half of their revenue comes from transactions mm-hmm. right and it comes from transactional revenue rather than saas revenue and what is that transactional revenue all they're doing is sort of enabling transactions to happen through their saas right and instead of charging the merchant a fixed fee every month they've made that fee sort of variable 
variable based on how many how much sales happen so this is based on payments based on logistics etc they have separate products for each of these and they charge like transactional uh, like a commission essentially right like so if it's a if you sell 100 dollars of goods like you know we'll take 3% right and that is the right i feel the right sort of business model to take when you're going after the indian um smes especially right because right. indian smes they are unwilling to pay you a lot of money for your saas or for your software right because you have to understand that these people have been living on like pirated windows and office for like forever right yeah <laughs> they're not suddenly going to change and start giving you a lot of money you know right. funny thing is they are willing to give you money so that's that's actually a misconception that a lot of people have that people will not pay for saas they they will pay for it but they won't pay a lot for it enough mm-hmm. for you to build a 100 million arr business here right yeah so mm-hmm. how do you solve that you have to seep into the transactions flow that these guys have right and you right. have to enable those transactions help the business to more transactions or simplify their jobs while doing that those transactions and just mm-hmm. charge a sort of a commission on it right that's a business model that they understand they've been doing it like it's basically a margins business they they just bake it into their pricing and that's it you know very simple for indian smes to understand so i think yeah. if you're going after the india saas opportunity in indian sme then then that's sort of the business model to take and that's been our thesis in the sector for the last 3 years and we did investments in companies like in education we did a company called class plus and they basically digitizing the coaching institutes and then building right. a content platform on top of it right and yeah. this is exactly the business model that they take they take a saas fee from the from the coaching institute and you know that's enough for them to pay pay off their sales and marketing costs but yeah. they make the real money on the transactions that happen on the platform they charge a small commission uh fee i believe it's around 3 4% that they charge for for payments essentially yeah and talking about uh, that you mentioned your perspective on like you know how can uh, someone who wants to build in india and sell in india you know should take an approach i mean this that's a really interesting viewpoint to have right for for founders as well and for 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 other vcs as well and for people in general as well like you know if they are trying to be a part of a saas company in india who is trying to build in india and sell in india right so, yeah. so i see that there are there would be like four pillars of of those ecos- that ecosystem right so startups then funding or money or vcs or angels and those that that is second and third is people who build these companies and who work in these companies and the fourth is technology right so if we consider that these these are the four pillars right like startups funding people and technology so what mm-hmm. are some of the challenges that you see in the indian saas ecosystem you know considering these four pillars and and how are you helping uh, how strive vc is helping mm-hmm. you know solve these challenges for startups right in right. india right right So I think I, I'm guessing you're asking specifically for the India SaaS bit, yeah, and not just for, yeah, for, SaaS, for the right? India SaaS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the India SaaS story, right? Like I think that's a very new story, 
right? right? And clearly, any investors have started sort of adopting it. And because there's not as much investor interest, there's not been as much founder interest in it also, right? It goes right. hand in hand. <laughs> uh, but for sure, it's starting to increase now, right? So I think... Right. Actually, you you nailed it, right? Like those are the four sort of pieces, like founder, investor, people, and tech. And yeah. you know, the good thing about India is that people and tech we have a lot. <laughs> exactly, we have a lot of, yeah. of of both of them, right? Like we have right. enough people in the country, and we have enough computer engineers in the country to build whatever tech needs to be built, right? And you know, these computer engineers are also can like can match the caliber of any computer engineer sitting in Silicon Valley. In fact, half of them are actually probably Indians. Right? Indian, yeah. Mostly. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think people in tech actually not a big challenge, I would say. So product is something that can be built easily. I think what are the challenges right now in the ecosystem is the understanding in the founders and understanding in the investors about this right. market about this niche because it's a new it's a new market it's a new sector it's something that is that people have not seen successful companies build, being built in already right mm -hmm. so you know there are a lot of companies that are scaling very rapidly and you know we know companies like Katabook, etc who who are doing very well by building you know tools and solutions for smes in india but one can argue that yeah that's good but it's not yet proven that this is a successful yeah. model because you know revenue is still lagging etc cetera, etc cetera, right so right. i think it's the understanding of this sector that is weak both in the founders as well as the investors right, right. and what that means is like how to structure your business model right actually i'll kid you not like what i just told you shopify sort of a business model right i think that makes sense to people when they hear it right but funnily around 80 percent of the companies that are building india SaaS and come to pitch to us end up having more of only a SaaS model rather than a SaaS plus transactions model right and we tell them like this is good this is great but you have to come up with a new business model because otherwise you won't be able to build a very large company you know right. how most people, unfortunately, in India have been taught that, look, go prove it in your own market first if you want, and then just quickly scale outside to the US, right? Right. Like, unfortunately, the investor ecosystem has also been feeding this, this guidance to founders, right? And founders are just building for the US or building for EU. They're not right. really building for their own country and their own country's problems, right? So right. I think that it's, it's just we need to talk about it more, talk about it in media, in podcasts, etc. To excite founders that, hey, you can build pretty solid companies by just focusing on the home market. And maybe then you can expand outside to Southeast Asia or somewhere else also. But you don't really need to. Don't have mm -hmm. to if you want to build a very large business. You can still build it. And we are going to build this business with Class Plus and prove it. To other people that it's going to be possible and we it's already happening we see it in front of our own eyes where the revenues of that company are scaling both on SaaS as well as on transactions model and that's mm -hmm. in my opinion the right way to build this right so right. it's both the founder understanding and the investor understanding which needs right. to evolve i think in this in this niche yeah
right and i while we are talking right so i i think i missed one pillar uh, which i just realized that is also an important one uh, right you know so this startups funding people and tech so people and tech is no uh, we don't have any shortage on that and yeah. uh, you know startup and funding there should be like you know more understanding and all but i think like the fifth pillar of of this ecosystem is the market right is definitely one of the important one and i think i missed this uh, like you know by the before while you're talking yeah. on this so market is also one of the pillar which will impact all of this right because as you said like kata book and all they are like great companies in india trying to sell in india they are doing great but in the end like there even if the startups like you know even if the founders uh, like you know great founders for kata book great investors good amount of money flowing in but again it's the market which is affecting which would probably affect such a company right like even if you have great founders great funding good people good tech something that can't be controlled or something that is outside or that is in existent right in is is the market right so i think that is also one of the huge reasons or one of the main reasons that like you know it's one of the challenge where you know companies are facing when they're trying to build in india and sell in india and i think you mentioned that just as we were discussing about these these pillars right of course look market always comes first right yeah. <laughs> like there's a big saying in in vc like you know big market the average founders is much better than like small market great founders right so yeah. like market always comes first if there's no market then you can have the best of people but you know they won't be able to achieve much but i think right. that's why i'm saying like the market is already here we right. are seeing it happen in our portfolio you know smes are being are willing to adopt technology there's been a whole consumerization of smes in right. the last like 3 4 years right and uh-huh. you know people talk about the geo movement for the consumers actually yeah. geo movement has been a bigger impact on smes because suddenly right. this business owner like who never really used technology is using a mobile <laughs> phone to do like whatever they need to do and now starting to look for solutions right right uh, starting to look for apps that can help solve them can help them run their business instead of doing it on a paper pen excel right. what not right so yeah, i think the market is already here yeah exactly <laughs> so the market is already here i mean kada book has some they claim some 10 million users or something right like 10 million smes using it in a matter of what two years so yeah. clearly the market wants to use the solution right yeah. the next question is will the market pay right, right. and that's where i feel that you know the market might not be ready to pay you a saas fee of 10 dollar per month which we you would normally expect in the us maybe will pay you a dollar a month or something like that for yeah. premium features but actually you can just monetize via some other channel right like again india gdp is not small so and yeah. these smes are the ones who are driving that gdp so clearly they're making money for themselves right right so if they are making money all you have to do is convince them to open that purse right for you and yeah. if if they're not willing to buy you buy from you a software then just sell them like a margins business right just sell them hey you know what we help you increase your revenue by 50% and in return we're just asking for 3% of every mm-hmm. every yeah. dollar you make right totally. and that's a very easy like you know indian businessmen they think of like the bottom line they think like kitna margin hai right like yeah, they think at the end, yeah. 
at the end. And so as long as you're not making a superb dent on that, an extreme dent on that, and you're helping them increase the revenue and top line in general, then you uh-huh. will be able to extract that money. So the market, I think, already exists. It's more the understanding of founders and investors on how to capture that market is, is what is, I think, required. And I can definitely talk a bit about like what we are doing to help solve that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Completely. I mean, that's, the, the, that's an interesting like, take, right, on the market as well. And I guess this has been like a wonderful conversation about the Indian SaaS ecosystem, right? I'm, I'm pretty sure that people are going to love it. And I think we have freezed the course as well. I just have like, yeah. you know, three, three lightning questions for you, which are not about SaaS ecosystem, but yeah, I have three lightning questions. Yeah. So yeah, first one. So what do you know about your work now that you wish you would have known when you first started? It's all about the people. And so what did your biggest professional failure teach you? That you always have to go for large markets. <laughs> yeah, completely. And my last one, what's the number one thing that has helped you shorten your learning curve? Reading, like, yeah, reading blogs, reading, uh, like, you know, books. Yeah, pretty much that. Like, I have my, maybe going on a longer one for your lightning question, but I think I learned for the first two, three years of my venture capital career, I learned Mm -hmm. more from Fred Wilson's blog than anything else. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so Fred Wilson is, you know, partner at Union Square Ventures, like they've invested right. in great companies like Twitter and, and Zynga and so on, and Coinbase. And, you know, he blogs diligently every day. And as a result, like I read that and, you know, it's, it's the perfect 101 for, for VC. And for the first one year, I think a lot of my learnings came just from that. And of course, like, like over time by applying this, these learnings on the ground, like that's how I've evolved as a VC. So, and that inspired me to start writing my own blog. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So yeah, thanks a lot, uh, Nikhil, for for doing this. I think this has been a very insightful episode on talking about the state of SaaS in India and the SaaS ecosystem in India. I wanted to do this with someone since since like long time. (laughs) No, it was my pleasure. And, you know, this is a topic very close to my heart. Like I've been through the thick and thin of, of SaaS in India and now starting to see the whole India SaaS emerge. Like it's, it's just a wonderful journey. Yeah. Thanks for having me on the show. Thank you.